We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Doing there. Okay, so that's record. And all right, press stop on the stream. Is that? Oh, it's already stopped. Okay, going live now. Hello, and welcome to the True Faith Weekly Radio Show. Um, a little bit later than expected because me and Bolin turned up without a key and didn't realise we didn't have a key until we turned up without a key. So Dodzy just uh, drove and met us halfway from his house, just sat at home in his shorts, turned up, had it over the key, but he's he's got plans tonight. So it's just me and Bolland, um a little bit flustered, <laughs> um, even less prepared than normal, but we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, obviously, um, we're all going down to Aston Villa tomorrow, so that's, that's what we talked about tonight. Hopefully there's a few things been happening this week. Ben Arthur has been murmured with a, or touted as a move to, to Barcelona, <laughs> this uh, today in the papers, um, so that's that's uh, some interesting things to talk about there, and just generally uh, the match ahead. Probably be a shorter show because there's just two of us, and I just don't think we've got an hour in us, have we, Bolland? Uh, we'll just see how it goes. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah, All right. Um, uh, where do I start? Do you want to do the match last week, or was that on the podcast that neither of us attended? <laughs> um, I think we can do that. Go on, Bolland. Uh, because because I I think they gave us an unfair um, account of how good Saturday was. I think we should give our own our own version of events. So from the start, lunchtime, me and you, Barry and Ben, at the at the crow's nest. Take it from there. Well, I don't really remember much. I think I had uh, I had one too many pints before we even got to the game. If I'm totally honest, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was sitting on five before we even got on the ground. So. Uh, Five. Start, start One too many. Oh, yeah. Should have had four. <laughs> <laughs> well, four would have been this just the right amount. But uh, yeah, I think it, I described it to Barry as the uh, the best day we've had in years. Yeah. Like, even though we didn't play that, like we won the match, but we didn't play spectacularly well in it. No. Like, just the feel good factor around like getting those three points was brilliant. Like everywhere we went, people were singing, people were actually happy. Like the bars were dead busy, which you know. Maybe straight after the game there, but not for like hours afterwards. Like the four or five hours we spent in the George. Yeah. Someone could tell me if it wasn't four or five hours, but it certainly <laughs> felt like it. I'm pretty sure it was, it was close to that. Um, obviously, Plantros Townsend gets an honourable mention. I don't know if he yeah. got a mention on the podcast last week. No, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll get on to the, the shenanigans after. But yeah, I think the match itself, as you say, it wasn't by any means a brilliant performance. It was the same level of performance that was up there with the rest of the games under Rafi, you know. The, the lads put the effort in from start to finish obviously the the goodbye penalty was a huge moment um, <laughs> griefing him before he took the corner and then 
applauding him when he came <laughs> over after the penalty and watching his little face yeah. was just made that whole day a hundred times better. Um, I know uh, Dodsey and Ben did the whole conspiracy side of that on uh, on the podcast with some humorous X Files music. Yeah. Um, I, but I was convinced immediately after they did it on purpose. Like I was like, he's definitely done it on purpose. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like having watched it back, he didn't do it on purpose. It's no, it's just a re- really poor penalty. It's not yeah. like he's saying to like Darlo, "Look, I'm going to kick it that way." Yeah. Although that's what uh, any Macams would, would would think uh, he's done. He went. He went the way he always goes, and Darlo will have known that. So yeah. All, <laughs> all a conspiracy. Yeah. Um, big bag of money. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Class. I mean, yeah. As he said, it wasn't really a memorable match apart from the goal. We didn't really have any huge chances, nor did we concede any. Yeah, it's been typical Rafa performance. Though we were compact, we didn't give much away. Um, focused very much on not losing the game for the first sort of forty-five minutes. Um, but we're, we're promising again. If we play like keep playing like that, hopefully we'll get a few more results, a couple more. That's all we need. Uh, agreed, agreed. And then, so after the game, obviously, as you said, I, I don't think I felt as happy after, well, at least on a, on a football day, for um, for for Lord knows how long. I, I mean, even the season, like Swansea was class, winning three 0 was class, out of nowhere, considering how long it had been since it was just like a nice result. But this was different. Just like the whole day, like the Kabai thing, beating Pardew beating Palace and getting out the relegation zone because obviously everyone was aware of the Sunderland score at the time even though they got their snaky little equaliser from the pen you, you didn't care you were like ah oh, you know what they haven't won we've won we're out the relegation zone this is class and we're going to we're going to enjoy this I think there was a bit of belief coming back to people as well so even people who were I mean admittedly I thought we were down two or three weeks ago I thought that was like <laughs> we've, we've all even Dodgy and, and he, he tries to claim that he, he had these backed all the way if you re- if you listen back, uh, there'll be so many shows where he said we're down, we're down, and then the next week he said we're definitely staying up, and then he's definitely said we're down again. Um, we've we've all been guilty of it, so I don't think you can be too harsh on yourself there. Yeah, but I think I think everyone like came out of that game just believing we could we, we can stay up now, we can do it. Why not? Um, well, the Mackins is why not, but I'm yeah. rich, but uh, you know, I think people believe that we can do it, and I don't see now after that game, I don't see why we can't go and beat Villa and. Beat Spurs, why not? <laughs> no, Th- no, no, don't Newcastle to win three games in a row. <laughs> I wonder when the last time that happened. Yeah. Well, with Pardew. It's funny, isn't it? Because everyone's been talking about all the like all the um, kind of perm- permutations of the the last few games of the season. It's like, well, if we win our two games, the Macams need to get a minimum of seven points. And it's like, when was the last time Newcastle, Sunderland, and Norwich all like won all their games? Like, it's not going to happen like that. So Ben's cut, Ben a few weeks ago was saying, "Oh, they won't get win any more games." <laughs> I think he's he's right. These teams have lost games all season. Why suddenly, apart from Rafa Benitez, massive difference? What's going to change about Sunderland and Norwich that's going to suddenly make them win three football matches? I think the thing that Sunderland have got in their favour is that the games that they've got left after Chelsea are you'd consider them very winnable for them. I mean, Everton at home, Everton are not a good side, like. Martinez has probably lost the dressing room by the sound of things. It looks like his time is possibly up. Uh, Sunderland will fancy themselves at home in that game. And yeah. And Watford away as well. Watford have got nothing to play for this season. Last day of the season. I think I, I, I agree. They're both on on any given day. You'd think that there's some nice fixtures to have for your run in. But there's two things. I mean, Martinez, as you've said, is massively under pressure. A strong finish might just give him a bit of leeway I don't know he's probably done for he's probably done for whatever but um, 
you know, he's not going to want to lose the last two games. He's going to want to try and win them. You know, he's, he'll still be motivated. The players were obviously pre-Euro, pre-the Euros, so this player is going to want to put in the last few performances to get themselves in the squads. Um, I don't think necessarily the the uh, the season is over for, for teams like Watford as well. I mean, they've tailed off a bit. Like they've had such a good season, it's a shame to just let it whittle away and lose a couple more games and then finish like sixteenth. So, yeah, so uh, they sort of have since Christmas. They've sort of they've just gone down, haven't they? they yeah. So so suddenly, um, uh, the managers like you know worrying about whether you'll be kept on and you know you want to win the last few games, like finish strongly. And go on in next season. I've no doubt the managers want to win, but the mentality of the players going in those games, I think it's. Quite I don't know, cool. Troy Deeney. He, he might might still fancy himself as getting in the England squad. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, it's a long shot for him, though. Yeah, I don't. Know, I, I I I don't think that those two teams are necessarily gonna gonna lie down, as a lot of people seem to suggest that they're, they're two kind of games that could be gifted to the Magums. I don't know. It's just a concern, isn't it? And it's a concern you have to have. Like yeah. if we were looking at those two games now, we'd be saying. They're both very winnable games. Yeah. So very true, very true. But if we were Rafa Benitez, you wouldn't even be looking at them two games. You'd be looking at tomorrow, and only tomorrow. Which is if we beat Villa, and the Macams lose and Norwich lose, it's in our hands again. Yeah. Like it's all actually back in our control. Um, and that's I think that's a very likely outcome from tomorrow. Yeah, I think it depends what sort of team, well, which Chelsea team turns up because they've been. Fantastic for periods of games, and then they've been absolutely dreadful. If they play like they did at the end of the second half of the Spurs game, they'll, they'll smash Sunderland. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> Do you think Sunderland will play like uh, Spurs did in the second half of that game? <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite like that to happen. Yeah, absolute just meltdown. Just, yeah. Well, a Sunderland meltdown would be lovely at this point. Get a few players booked. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I mean, so to, let's go on to tomorrow then. Um, how how do you feel about it? Newcastle haven't won an away game this this year. Um, it's it's a big ask to just you can't just go into it saying well it's Villa will definitely win. We, we're just so bad away from home and have been all season. Yes, yeah, second half against um, against Leicester, second half against Liverpool. Probably about it in terms of putting in a bit of a performance. Um, Norwich a bit of a freak game, but. <laughs> What do you reckon? <laughs> I was really confident until... Until I just said that. <laughs> yeah, about 20 seconds ago. Um, until I got a ticket for it, and now I'm really, really nervous. Like, Aston Villa are terrible. Like, they're definitely terrible, but it's the sort of thing Newcastle would do, is to get points from City, Liverpool, and Palace, and then just absolutely stuff it up against against Aston Villa. Um, they've got like the pressure's off them really there's no one watching them because the fans aren't turning up like, yeah. they're already down uh, I think they scored a couple of goals last weekend didn't they so it could be a weird atmosphere actually because I think they've got a, a bit of a protest planned haven't they well, which would be, be which would be fun be, to, be, to be, be part of but yeah you're right the, the, their fans have, have obviously lost interest they're absolutely furious with the way they, their clubs well club yeah. um, the way their, their terrible little place in the world has, has gotten even worse um they're, but there, they're there for the they're there for the taking. Like if we play like we have done the last few weeks, we'll beat them. I haven't no, yeah, no yeah. concerns about that. I d- see with, with McLaren, you would have definitely thought, well, absolutely, we'll just throw these away. That's points to be thrown away. With, with Benitez, you just know he's driven enough and he's got the players focused enough that they just won't let that happen. Um, and you think that the last time this happened was Norwich. We had you know the, what you'd say was a game we should be winning, 
and we went and lost it, but in kind of freak circumstances, and we could have won it. CC had a great chance to to win the game for us, and then they scored off off the hand, basically. So, I I just don't think... (laughs) Villa certainly won't score two goals, and if we can score three goals at Norwich, we can beat Villa. Yeah. So, I'm pretty confident. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the trip down. I think it's going to be class, and I can't wait to be coming home in the car. <laughs> S- singing loads of Rafa tunes for four hours while Dodzy drives <laughs> sober. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be good. I hope some people have made banners for them, just uh, just like they did for us. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, I really do want to like stick it to them because of the way they went on. But you know what? We don't need banners. It's let's see. They've already. We need loads of banners. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your next messiah? Yeah, Cat Dealy. Yep. <laughs> just from Birmingham. Just from Birmingham. Okay. <laughs> don't know no. anyone else famous from Birmingham. Um, yeah. Um, so the match itself, would you change the, change the team at all? Uh, you made one change the last game, obviously you put uh, Wijnaldum back in. Would you keep Wijnaldum in away from home? Yeah, I'd stick with the same team. The only person that slightly concerns me still is, you say, like, I can he, see why he, he was, doesn't, but he's yeah. rubbish against Palace. He had a really bad game against Palace. And at some stage, Mitrovic is going to have to learn to play football for 90 minutes. Like... That's the only position I think there's any question about, really. Yeah. Must-win game, second last of the season, is probably not the, the time to be learning lessons, but <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I thought Cissé was really, really terrible against Palace. He had his worst game, and he's, he's, he's been criticised quite a lot for his for his contribution in the last like five or six games. I think he's been perfectly fine. I think he's done enough for 60 minutes and then let Mitrovic come and can do, do his job for half an hour. I think you're right. He needs to be able to contribute for more than half an hour. Um... I just don't know whether I'd, I'd, I'd um, want to play with the lineup. It just seems to be settled. Everyone knows what they're doing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know whether you change it because the results have been good and obviously using Mitrovic later on in the games worked well for us so far. Um, he just doesn't do anything he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> he I, scores. I, he just he, do, he does a lot of running. He does a lot of running around, and he and he seems to have this kind of mentality of trying to lift the players and 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 you know he wants to be part of the team. I think what. What you also get with Cisse, and that's probably because the players have played with him for quite a few years, you know, Sissoko, etc. They know what to expect with him, they kind of know what he is. They know when to give him the ball, they know when he's just kind of yeah. not going to, you know. With Mitrovic, I still like don't really know what to expect when the ball goes to him. You don't know if he's going to bring it down, do a class touch, you don't know if he's going to try and head it. You don't know if he's just going to be more concerned with the opposition defender, which he sometimes is. He seems to be more bothered about just giving him a bit of an elbow and a bit of a stamp on the toe yeah. than he does about doing anything productive with the ball. Um, which is great if you've got the lead for the last half an hour. That's exactly what you want, and that's what Cisse can't offer you. But I think sometimes the, the players around Mitrovic, and especially that's where Perez has kind of gone wrong, you just couldn't get a partnership with him, you couldn't really work out how to play with him, and I don't think anyone knows how to play with Mitrovic. He's obviously very talented and probably better than Cisse, especially on, you know, take the Cisse now and not the Cisse of a couple of years ago. Um but I just I feel I feel like when he's on the pitch, Mitrovic, the 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 rest of the players are kind of struggling to work out what to do. Yeah, yeah. he gives everyone a lift as well when he comes on. Everyone sees him yeah. approaching sixty minutes. <laughs> Mitrovic on start and things. So yeah, um, maybe you don't mess maybe you don't mess around. But it's just things like you say like if he gets that second touch, then he's actually okay. But his first touch is horrendous. Um, he's offside more times than anybody else, probably in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he, he like he, he actively stands offside though. Like you can see that he can see he's offside sometimes, and he like waits for like play to catch up with him, and it's like yeah, that's not that's not going to work. Well, yeah. 
I mean, I, I guess he's he's probably not knows he hasn't got the pace, so he's just trying to catch a catch a break. But yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. He was so poor at Palace that maybe it's it's kind of <laughs> six or one and half a dozen. Isn't that you, I don't know. I don't know which way. I just trust Rafa to make the right decision. Yeah, whatever Rafa does is the right decision. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the rest of the team picks itself. I know if you we've been kind of lauding the fact that we've got a bit of competition now, but because everyone's playing so well, it's really hard to drop anyone. I think the only other debate is if Janmat's fit, which he supposedly is, do you stick him back into right back? Or do you keep in <laughs> your favourite player, <laughs> young Vernon? So, as everyone who listens to this will know, I am Vernon's biggest critic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm willing to climb down slightly from that mountain and say he's not the worst player to ever play for Newcastle now. And <laughs> from, the mount- from the Vernon Anita <laughs> hatred mountain. <laughs> I'm on my way down. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but I'd, I'd keep him in. I think, as you say, we've played well in the last three or four games he's been involved in at right back. Um, and he's in particular, has played well, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him out at this point. I mean, Jan Mart... Jan Mart is arguably a better player, but Jan Mart's been part of a defence that's been terrible all season, yeah. and he does come in, and we've actually looked a bit better at defending. Um, obviously he got his goal against City as well uh, there's no reason to change it and it, Jan, yeah. Jan Matt as well has let everyone in that football club down like whether people like to admit it like people who said he went off uh, and he wasn't really injured but the, the thing that really got me was going in and punching the wall like one of our most senior biggest and best players going in and punching the wall breaking his hand and not being able to play for two games is ridiculous just after falling over and costing us a goal and yeah he probably was injured by the sounds of it but yeah, it was all a bit funny, wasn't it? Um, the guy, and I don't think this has always been the case, I think his first season here he was class, but um, he can't defend this season. He yeah. just, going forward, he's excellent. <laughs> I think for the first ten games, he was our only attacking threat. And it kind of, Ben Ben raised this point on um, on the podcast, I think, but basically, like, he might just offer you a bit more going forward than Anita does, and I know Anita scored against uh, Swansea, but, um, and a City, sorry, uh, I'd, I'd, I like the idea of Janmat and Townsend absolutely tearing, tearing it, um, tearing Villa's defence up. And um, Anita just sits really deep. He he doesn't offer much. And if we want, I think this is the one game where we just want to have loads of the ball and just kind of dominate. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it would be it would be cruel, cruel to drop Anita now. Like he's done essentially nothing wrong. Um, I think Dodd said at one point it, he's largely looked good because the wingers he's played against have made him look that good. But Aston Villa don't have any wingers either, <laughs> so he's not going to get found out tomorrow, is he? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, so I don't know. I'd keep him in. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, yeah. why mess with it as well? We've, we've been playing well. There's no reason to change things. I'm talking about the positives of putting Yamat in, but really, um, it's, it's, it would be so wrong to drop a neater after the the three games he's just had. Um, watch him score like an own goal <laughs> well then he'd go back to being the worst player <laughs> <laughs> alright so the team's pretty much the same maybe swap Mitrovic maybe don't uh, what about Perez what, what about him <laughs> he's got lovely hair yeah um, I just but when Yaldum away from home is, is a non-entity I think Perez's form this season hasn't been brilliant especially the second half of the season and the way that we've been using him recently I don't think suits him and I don't think it suits us like Perez needs to be in the box I think finishing is probably one of his best 
attributes that he br- brings the team in. Yeah. Being stuck out on the left or, or the right, protecting either a neater or dummit, I just don't think works for him. Um, in the number 10 position as well, like Sissoko has pretty much made that his own in the last couple of weeks, so yeah. no reason to put him there. And I don't think he's got enough pace really to play in that position either. Um, he's a slightly frustrating player for Newcastle, I think. Because um, he's obviously got bags and bags and bags and bags of potential. Um, people don't get linked with Barcelona like by coincidence, you know. Like you've got to be, you've got to be pretty good of a footballer to get that sort of link. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. To, like I don't know how, I don't know what what system that Perez would work best in. <laughs> um, probably a system that has Messi and Suarez and Neymar playing with loads of goals. But are you suggesting uh, he should be joining uh, Haddam in Barcelona? Well, as part of a five-man attack <laughs> featuring Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. Wait, it's that it sounds ridiculous thing to say, but that kind of formation with like three actual like proper attackers, Perez yeah. would probably do quite well in. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right in what you said just before about him having to kind of babysit the fullback because Paul Dunnett will never exit, never come out of his own half, and and panics whenever he gets the ball. It means that Perez has got to play a lot closer to him. And as you say, Perez receiving the ball on the halfway line is no good to us. Perez receiving the ball just on the outside of the box or even in the box is where he's a threat because he can find, he can get the ball at his feet and take a shot very quickly. He's very good at finishing. That's when he'll be. He's a threat to the teams. It's he's so easy to deal with because he's not very fast and because he's actually quite weak and, and he's not really built for the Premier League. If he's receiving the ball in his own half or near the halfway line, he'll just get clattered, and he does all the time. And he he, he tries to turn, he tries to do tricks and stuff, but you're never going to get your way up into the box doing that if you're slow. And unfortunately, he is slow. He's one like this might seem silly, but the person I'd kind of compare <laughs> with is uh, Firmino at the start of the season. Yeah, like an attacking player who just used to come far too deep to get the ball all of the time, and that's what happens when you play Perez as a striker. Even he still comes deep to get the ball. Um, and if you've seen what Klopp's done with Firmino he's just basically told him just to stay up front like, that's where you're going to do your most amount of damage and I think that's like a conversation someone has to have with Perez as well if he's going to be a great striker is he needs to stay further up the pitch um, yeah yeah, I, I think you're right I think uh, the this, this season we've been having where the only way we're now getting results is by kind of playing that grind them out counter-attack in football um, which, which is the only football that's ever worked for us in the last four years because of the kind of players we buy and this, the, the way we are as a club in any way, he just doesn't fit in. He doesn't fit yeah. into any system that we play. Um, uh, Christopher Wood has just been in touch on Twitter about the Jan Matmitrovic point, saying, "Why not bring them both on at around 60? Especially if we're if we're behind on needing a goal. Um, I think that's a fair point. I think that's what you would make that change. Anita's not going to grab you a goal in the last half an hour if we need a goal. If it's still ones apiece or nils each or something, because um, the draw is not enough here. Yeah. Get them both on and Jan Mack get them forward and and you know." Yeah, I mean, I quite like that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, if I was Rafa and we're, we're not winning, I don't know if the next, like, the first thing I'd think of would be to bring a right back on. But yeah, I don't know. Do, do what he did against the Macams and literally put like every attack and player we have on and yeah. leave like two defenders. <laughs> that's a much better plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that's, that's a fair point. He's I, you don't want to change the team, but if if it's not working, then these are players you want on the pitch. So yeah, I like that. Cheers, Chris. Um, he also like didn't he? Jan Mat broke his hand, and he—I don't know exactly what he did his hand. So he, surely his hand can't have healed already, unless he's got magic hands. Like, <laughs> must, still, <laughs> must still have. A I don't know. A cu- couple of broken fingers, two or three weeks in a in a cast or some yeah. whatever you put on your fingers, probably enough to 
Yeah. He's not playing Mets. Like. Well, what if he falls over? <laughs> <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> he's very good at that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, <laughs> so you think don't play him in case he's, his fingers are still sore? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. The other big news today, then, or is, I don't know if it's just absolute drivel coming out there, come out of Twitter and a few um, reputable newspapers, including Le Keep. Um, Hatta Ben Arfa is nailed on to join Barcelona in the summer. What do you think, Bolle? I mean, what, what, what's your opinion of Hatta overall? Do you kind of... He's a saint. <laughs> He's an absolute saint. Uh, the man can do no wrong. Um, I think it's... I don't think anyone could ever have questioned the amount of talent that Hatta Ben Arfa has as a footballer. Yeah. Like, um, I'm of the opinion that he's the... He's the best footballer I've seen play at St James's Park. He's the second best footballer I've seen at St James's Park, but he's up. Yeah, he's he's up there. Just for pure like natural talent and some of the stuff he do, like was just I don't know the right word is mesmerizing. Like I think the the problem with Hatton has been that his attitude sometimes. Some people might perceive it as being questionable. In my eyes, you can do no wrong though. Um, and. Fair play to him. I mean, he's gone and sorted himself out. I think he's, yeah. he's definitely the top scorer in League One at one point. I don't know if he still is. He's been backing him in, so yeah. Um, assume. What um, I would say about Hatham is, though, is that at uh, Nice, what he's got is he's the superstar. He is the star man. They aren't a particularly good League One side. Like, n- not that any team in that league is particularly good, but. And he's he's the man. That team is, like, focused around making him look good and him being able to look good. Um. It'd be interesting to see how he reacts to going to somewhere like Barcelona, where he's probably not going to start, if we're honest. Um, and whether he manages to keep the same mentality he's had at Nice, where he's not going to be—he's not going to be the biggest name on the pitch, like yeah. he's be the biggest guy at the club. And he's well, something that uh, Pardew allegedly did was treat, treat him like a superstar. Uh, he won't get that at Barcelona because there's Lionel Messi, there's Neymar, uh, Luis Suarez. I nearly forgot my favorite player. Um, <laughs> I mean, so he's not going to get trapped like that, and it'll be interesting to see how it, his ego copes with not being. The it's a funny one because, yeah, in a good team when we were good, he was literally untouchable. He was absolutely class. When the players around him were up, what up to his level in in such that yeah, he's right. He's the most skillful player that's ever played Newcastle. The best player was Lauren Robert, but <laughs> the most skillful player I've ever seen. That goal he scored against um, against Blackburn in the FA Cup, and the other one is at Bolton, Bolton yeah. in the league. They were just outrageous. Like no, we've not seen anything like that in Premier League football. I don't think it's yeah. just just unbelievable. That's it's 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 Messi esque. It's it's you know the best players in the world only can do this sort of thing. So he wouldn't even look out of place at Barcelona. Um, what I think what you you hit the nail on the head there is Pardew used to treat him like a superstar until he started being a bit of a diva, being a bit of a superstar, and thinking he was better than everyone. Like it's it's kind of there's two sides of it. There's one like obviously he's a bit of a bit of an idiot. He's got a bad attitude. You need to, you know this whole thing about he turned up um, overweight or whatever. Like he obviously wasn't a massive fat lad. He's probably been told right. You must be I don't know fifty nine kilograms no le- no more when yeah. you come back from somewhere. And he wasn't. You know that's unprofessional. Any player, I'm sure most clubs have these kind of rules. Say right, go away, have two weeks holiday, but don't come back really fat. You know, and, and he just didn't. And that kind of sums him up a little bit. And I think there was a massive overreaction of that. Or Pardew used that a little bit to kind of because he'd already had enough of him yeah. and he had been really poor I mean he put in, turned in some terrible performances where it didn't seem like he was trying and I don't think he was interested in being in a losing team yeah I mean um, the other thing is like imagine imagine you're Ben Arthur you're literally the most skillful footballer like in the country and you turn up to training 
and you're coming up against like Paul Dummett and Mike Williamson like you must have just been running ring ra- rings around them and training again probably being a bit of a knob <laughs> and probably just winding people up and getting you know Paul Dummett and Mike Williamson well known for being very friendly with Valen Pardew probably hated him because he would have just made them look stupid you, know, you can just picture it and just like rinsing them all day in training but that's that's not how to develop a, a player like Ben Arthur turning up to training and, and rinsing Paul I don't know don't want to be really nasty to Paul Dummett but <laughs> that, that's what would have been going on he wouldn't be just like taking the mick out of them and then learning nothing from it like he wasn't going to get better as a footballer and he, I think he stagnated teams knew that he was our, our most skillful player they, they started marking him like it was just like all of Pardew's kind of reliance on key players it was just too easy to defend against and then he started playing badly and then it was just it was always going to end in tears for that reason and then there was this whole um, was it an open training session um, that he was banned from. I don't know why. Maybe he was, he was going to you know, show people up again or be a bit of a prat. So he tried to organise his own kind of <laughs> meet and greet thing. And then you know, as soon as he started doing silly stuff like that, we all knew it was what was going to happen, and he just had to go. And I don't think he didn't have to go. He didn't have to go. There was no point in having a Haddon Ben Arfa though at that time. That that was the problem. We had Pardew having a mayor. We had a whole team having a mayor. The no, one, we weren't buying players. We weren't sorting it out. Alright, but Chris Hewton got a lot of flack over the Ben Arthur transfer because Chris Hewton said that he wouldn't be able to cut it in the Premier League and was unsure whether we should sign him. So what did they do to Chris Hewton? They hired him out. Like I'm not saying that's the sole reason that Chris Hewton went, but it was obviously one of them. They were like, how can this bloke be indecisive over Ben Arthur? And then they've got Pardew, what, three, four years later, going, oh, this guy's attitude sucks, I won't get rid of him. Someone at that club should have been going, well, no, Alan, you're the manager. Get him to play. Like... Yeah. This lad turns up at Barcelona. It just highlights even more what of a mistake it was. Like we should have had a real manager. Say if Benitez, right? Benitez comes in, gets Ben Arfa playing. Like there's no issue. We've got one of our, we've got a class player. Yeah. Like with Pardew, like the the symptoms of Pardew's reign were there for everyone to see. Like he should have gone, not Pat and Ben Arfa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would disagree with you, but it's just the way it turned out. At the time, Pardew was pretty much untouchable as manager. He'd had a good, successful season. He'd done it on a shoestring, like he was pretty much like sewn into the club at that point. And it was kind of we were playing well, and yeah, we'd we'd had the finished fifth, and then we were in Europe the next season. I tell you what, if they'd gone to the Gutierrez Tribunal and been like, N- he didn't play because we had Hart and Ben Arthur, <laughs> go right, fair enough, lads, off you go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. But I don't know. I, 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 I was obviously in hindsight it looks ridiculous but at the time I didn't have much sympathy for Ben Arthur. I thought he was he, he had some real problems I mean everyone was well aware of his kind of his his history of kind of petulance and, and falling out with managers and stuff and you just thought well it's probably him it's it's always been him so but you know he's, he's a bit older now so you got to expect he's got to have matured a little bit he's not a little kid anymore um, I think playing in a team that's winning games just brings the best out of him and when he's kind of given a bit of freedom to get on the ball and do what he does and I think going I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen but if he went to Barcelona he'd thrive again because he'd be surrounded by people better than him and that would you know, that's something to aspire to something to aim for instead of turning up to training and running rings around Mike Williamson I think that that's what's good for him so you know all the best to him I, I don't have any kind of I hope he does hard feelings for him like, you know, the move that is talented deserved yeah. for the majority of his career so we've all got some excellent memories of him we've probably seen some of his best years as well as a terrible year from him I mean whether or not that was his fault or whether it's a combination of his attitude and the kind of 
rubbing up against Podgy or whatever. But you oh, know, Podgy's fault. Yeah, probably. He's a saint. <laughs> He's a saint. Good luck, Ham. But yeah, yeah, good, good on him. If he gets to Barcelona, it'll be one of the most ridiculous turnarounds of a football career ever. Because um, what did he, did he, was he? Um, he went to Hull. Hull, that was it. Yeah, and he was just like you couldn't get in that team. That makes Steve Bruce <laughs> look like an absolute idiot as well. By the way, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's done. He's done so well to turn it around. And in, in fairness fair to him, he's, he's been with Pardew, and then he gets off. See Steve Bruce. He's just must have been like, oh, I've had enough of this. Well, again, like Steve Bruce, and like, where, what's your team? Who, who's he got in training to challenge him to to give him some like something to get better at? Again, he would have just been running around them all day, and they go, "We hate this guy." <laughs> He's the guy that turns up to a game of five side and never passes because he doesn't have to. Yeah. Well, good luck to him. So that's Ben Arthur. Good lad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um, we've done Villa. We've done Ben Arthur. Um, anything else you'd like to talk about, Bolland? There's not much come through on Twitter. Please feel free to get in touch because we're, we're wearing thin now. Um, no, not really. Um... Janky88 has been in touch on Twitter. Um, the Nice president has apparently confirmed that he's in talks with Barca. So it's more than just rumours. It looks like it could well happen. I mean, yeah, I've seen quite a few newspapers today saying it, so it's not like we're just jumping on a rumour here. Well, it'd be interesting to see what they do with him there. Cause, I mean, he's obviously not going to... He can't possibly start. Sure. No, no, I mean... <laughs> Barcelona just have all the most skillful players in the world. As you've just said, playing five aside and not passing to anyone, how is he going to fit into a side that absolutely loves passing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because he is a bit greedy. Um, It'd be interesting. I'd I'd certainly happily tune in to watch Barcelona play with Hatton Benafra in the team. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that, Jenky. Um, that's pretty much confirmation in my eyes that you've tweeted as that. Um, Good. I think I think we're really running out of crack so much that we <laughs> could probably just end it here, Bolland. Um, uh, what, what do you think? Andros, Andros Townsend in the England squad. Andros Townsend or Plantros Townsend? Uh, Who would you like uh, to talk about first? Well, I think Plantros is lost somewhere, despite being hidden in my jacket for a small period of time. <laughs> <laughs> Plantros um, Townsend. For anyone who didn't uh, understand any of that pattern on Twitter or on a... I don't know if it was mentioned on the pod. I think Ben briefly touched on it, but Ben wasn't having it because he wasn't there when the when it started. Every time we sang the Rafa Benitez song, there was a jug of water there, and it got poured on this plant as a some ceremonial <laughs> celebration. <laughs> the plant got known as Plantrust Town. It sounds such like it's rubbish banter <laughs> when you're not part of it, and being, actually like being passed around the old George. Yeah. Oh, that was some, day. some sort of trophy but whilst, this, whilst being watered. But this is why we like going to footy. This is why we watch football matches. This is why we have season tickets to have fun, enjoy the team winning, and just be daft for the day. That's what football is about. That's yeah. what I'm excited about tomorrow. Yeah, it, it, you know, we're, we're Benitez has given us that back. That going to the football is fun again. It's not just like a 90 minute moan, going home feeling miserable and not even wanting to go for a pint. It's the absolute opposite. Even though we're still like by no means safe. It's just that optimism, that fun, that excitement of going to the game. It's it's all back. It was the whole day as well. Like before, some sometimes before the games, I've been this season especially when McLaren was in charge. I've been a bit like, oh, there's so much more other stuff I could accomplish today than sitting here for like an hour and a half, being yeah. miserable, watching us be rubbish. And it, to be honest, it sort of sapped a lot of my enthusiasm out of it. Saturday, however, from start to finish, from the moment I woke up to the moment I passed out after the curry, <laughs> <laughs> um, was one of the, it was one of the best days I've had in years. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Rafa. 
and I'm looking forward to it all again tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the game tomorrow. There is there's an element of nerves. Um, as if we've, we've talked about the team, how do you think it's going to go? Then how do you think the day is going to go? Uh, I'm going to go three 0 Newcastle. Three 0 Yeah. Wow. Clean sheet away from home. Yeah. It's just thanks to circle. Just tear them a new one. If you're going to go three 0 you might as well go five and give us a chance on the goal difference. Well, I tell you what, I'll go seven. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think this will be a comfortable win. I think the team's playing with confidence. I think Villa are so bad, and I don't, I, I can't see them getting themselves motivated for a game that that you know there's just nothing for them to get out of it. Um, whereas we've got everything to play for, and because we've got Rafa, basically, yeah, um, the sort of away game that we've needed for a while. It's just what we're, the team's already sort of not well. Obviously, they're already down, but just down in general, like. Yeah, we're, get, we're well. getting more and more players back. We've got options. Um, everyone's playing well. Everyone had a cracking game um, for like the last three, basically. If you dis- discount this first half against Liverpool, um, yeah, I think it'll be comfortable. I'm going to go two nil. We're not we're not quite three, four, five nil yet, but three nil, three. Yeah. Um, final word then: Townsend in or out? <laughs> Plant Ross. Yeah, yeah. You never answered if you'd get in the England squad. Oh, Townsend. All oh, oh, right. Um, I, they, they did this on the podcast as well. You've obviously listened. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Ben Ben was massively in favour of Townsend going. Um, I, I kind of agreed with a lot of the points he made. Uh, he he would offer something different. He's obviously very pacey, and he's actually playing well. Whereas you know your alternatives are your, the likes of your Walcotts, your Oxlade Chamberlains, um, even Sterling aren't really doing anything. They're not playing. They're not offer anything they're not getting goals Townsend's doing all those things and more he's got set pieces he's got a good goal rate uh, number of goals for England as well when he plays yeah and he and he, he seems to be popular with Hodgson I think he could go I'd, might be popular, I'd but absolutely love to see him go yeah I mean uh, when he was at Tottenham um, and not even playing Hodgson kept getting him in the squad for the qualifiers um, I think he knows that he's he's got the talent he's certainly proven that you know he joined Newcastle at the worst possible time, really, in terms of coming into a club with no confidence, playing terribly. Um, he's you know, got a bit injured. Um, he's come back into games, play, played a half, played 60 men's, played a full game, and they start banging a goal in the game, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's got something like seven assists in half a season, which is which is outrageous. Maybe not seven. Um, we'll, say, we'll say seven. Yeah, we'll say seven. We'll say seven. Um, I think he, he's... he's just as worthy as, as anyone else playing that position at the minute so it would be a shame for him not to really it's just obviously I think England's this summer in particular have got a huge some big decisions to make and Hodgson's not the kind of guy to, to make any really brave calls he'll, he'll stick with the with the safe bets I think I think you're probably right I think you'll miss out but I'd like to see him go I don't know when the last time we had an England player like at a major tournament was it Michael Owen? Probably. He doesn't count. <laughs> just say it was Shearer. <laughs> well then, Alan. <laughs> I think it was David Batty around 1996. <laughs> uh, yeah, showing the uh, the older England. I've barely paid attention to England in the last four to six years. I've been, well, because me and Mickey Gunn, I've been paying pretty close attention to Yeah, fair. All right then, so we're going to win three 0 tomorrow. Townsend's going to the Euros. He's going to score the winning penalty in the final. We're going to win the Euros next year. We're going to win the league because we've got Rafa. Uh, the following year, we're going to get the Champions League. Win that. Yeah, win that. As super, well as some super cups. Cup, super Cup the next year. <laughs> uh, Mike Ashley's going to get a statue built outside the stadium. 
but then Rafa will be standing on top of him. <laughs> well, uh, on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> All of that could happen in the next two years, and you know what? Because of Rafa, I actually believe that some of those things could come true, whereas, you know, three months ago, four months ago, it was just absolutely no chance. No. Um, positive. Go on then, uh, instead of trying to add ten more minutes of the, <laughs> the stretched crack, we'll, we'll call it there. Um, this has been the True Faith Weekly Radio Show. Um, I've been Psy and Bolland. You've been me I've well. been I've been <laughs> with us. This has actually just been me throwing my voice from one <laughs> microphone to the other. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, obviously, by all means, get in touch on Twitter. Uh, we'll be at the match tomorrow. Anyone else who's who's going or in the area, get in touch. Probably find you for a pint if there is a, a pub that's still standing in in the worst place in the world. Correct. Yep. All right. Thanks very much. Bye. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.